Hello, this is the European History Podcast. My name is Daniel. If you like this uh, podcast so far, you can like us on Facebook at the European History Podcast. And if you have any questions in particular about any of the topics that I cover, you can always email at the European History Podcast at gmail.com. So in the last two episodes, we talked about the earliest period in human history. We talked about the Paleolithic era and the Neolithic era. Again, that's the old Greek, ancient Greek term for stone. And these time periods are marked by the most advanced tools that people use. And so uh, while it's made out of stone, it's very impressively made. And we discussed how eventually, with the discovery of uh, seeds and how they operate to grow plants, uh, we begin the agricultural revolution. So at the same time that the earliest cities start to settle down and civilization uh, begins emerging, we discover, or someone discovered, how to make bronze. And therefore we enter into a new era outside of the Neolithic Age, what's called, which is called the Bronze Age. And now I want to take just a minute to just kind of describe to you what is required to make bronze. And I hope it sparks a little bit of curiosity for you to kind of imagine or uh, brainstorm about how it was that some human being on this planet figured out this process of how to create a metal that was much stronger than just, say, copper or any other natural metals. Okay, so bronze. Uh, you make bronze by mixing copper with a bit of tin uh, with a process of smelting. First, you need to make a wax model of, say, uh, let's say an axe. Uh, so a wax model of an axe is carved up, and then it's covered in clay uh, to create a mold. The clay mold is then heated until it's hardened, and the wax uh, uh, copy in the middle will melt and drip away. Copper and tin is then ground up into little pieces to make it easier to heat, uh, and then it is heated over a fire at very high temperatures using some kind of bellowing technology. Uh, and right there, that sparks a whole conversation, for me at least, in thinking about well, how did someone figure out uh, that fire can have different temperatures? How did a human being for the first time figure out that using different um, fuels for fire or using uh, different methods to get more oxygen into that fire can raise the temperature and make it more useful? Because you cannot make uh, bronze, you cannot engage in smelting uh, without a fire that's of a very high temperature. And so I honestly don't know the answer to that. But someone figured out how to make a fire uh, hot enough to melt copper and tin. Uh, and so you need to do that. Uh, you melt it down to make it molten bronze. It mixes together. With the clay mold that you've made, you want to put that in the ground to keep it steady. And once the bronze has been melted, the molten bronze is poured into that clay mold and left to cool. Finally... Uh, the clay mold can be taken out of the ground. Uh, the clay around the bronze can be broken away. And finally, your axe head can be polished and sharpened and become very useful. 
And don't think of just axes, which could be useful with agriculture and construction, uh, but uh, bronze swords will uh, allow the civilizations who possess them to achieve military and uh, government dominance over other peoples. So this discovery of bronze, once again, changes human history, changes the world that we live in. Other huge advancements I'm going to talk about, and moving on, I want to make the rest of this episode really simply just a very quick survey across these other earlier, older civilizations that come before our first European civilization, which will be the Greeks. So uh, let's start. The first cities, the first uh, earliest civilizations of Mesopotamia, uh, the first uh, culture being the Sumerians and the first city of Ur and Uruk. By the year 3000 BCE, Uruk is the largest city in the world. Uh, we should note that the Code of Hammurabi uh, establishes the rule of law and the concept of laws being written down and therefore not being simply the day-to-day -day, uh, capricious opinions of the ruler. We should no take note that the Egyptian civilization, of course, a uh, huge, very prosperous, very powerful, very long-lasting civilization. Uh, it begins as Upper and Lower Egypt until it is united. The Egyptians established the use of canals and dams, etc. They have a 3,000-year span, which is typically carved out and divided up into 31 different royal dynasties. A dynasty is a, a ruling family that, that governs uh, from generation to generation. The Egyptians use hieroglyphics, which are basically a symbol uh, method of writing uh, that stands for words rather than word parts or sounds. The Egyptians were polytheistic, much like almost every other ancient civilization, including the Greeks. They had three separate origin stories, uh, religious uh, theological explanations for the beginning of the world, and so they have this, this comfort in contradiction in their history and trying to explain uh, natural events. They use the Book of the Dead uh, to navigate a treacherous afterlife. They do believe in the afterlife, but uh, it is a little bit different from what we will see in uh, Western theologies. Though for women, the roles and opportunities for them are limited uh, unless there is some kind of circumstance or uh, exception. Slavery in Egypt becomes prevalent during the Middle Kingdom uh, when Egypt achieves imperialism, achieves an empire. Other cultures that we're going to pass by will be the Hittites, uh, the Assyrians, the Assyrian Empire, the Second Assyrian Empire. Uh, we should mention the Neo-Babylonians. They built uh, great temples, uh, uh, massive fortification walls, uh, roads, parks, palaces. Uh, Neo-Babylonian civilization became the center of world trade. It linked Egypt with India and Iran and Syria, Palestine. They engaged in astronomical record-keeping, which what took place and was consistently uh, contributed to over a very long period of time, uh, until uh, they were taken over by the Persian Empire, uh, where we have Cyrus the Great and Darius the Great, and they establish an empire that stretches from Southeast Europe to Egypt and all the way to the borders of India, 
to the east. We should talk about the Phoenicians, who established colonies throughout the Mediterranean region. Uh, They had incredible sailing ability, engaged in trade and commerce, and they would travel down uh, arguably the the west coast of Africa and up around uh, the coast of Europe. And also we couldn't uh, leave out the Israelites' culture in Palestine and their unique place as being a monotheistic religion, believing in one God, uh, and not just one God, but to the exclusion of worshiping any other gods. And I mention that because when you talk about these other polytheistic uh, religions and theologies, often there was not really any objection to worshiping gods from another culture or worshiping gods from another tradition. Uh, Because there is polytheism, there is this uh, understanding that, well, if there's another god, it it could be okay to worship that one too. Uh, The Jewish people, the Israelites, with monotheism, monotheism, uh, they received the commandment that there is only one god, and you shouldn't worship or honor any other gods. Okay. So considering uh, that we've rushed across these, I just want to kind of give a preview to the Greeks, and we'll finish for today. Um, And what makes the Greeks special? Well, first, the Greek cultures will begin our study of European history. And Greeks have established and developed a few things that set them apart from all other cultures. But a lot of things are similar. So the Greeks uh, believe in gods, uh, and they're polytheistic like most other places. And the Greek gods had many of the same characteristics. Uh, They used magic and incantations. And in the early period, Greek law usually was tied with divinity, was tied with theological beliefs and the rule of the gods. Most Greeks lived out their lives with many similar notions from other cultures, So a lot about Greek life is the same, nothing special. But some Greeks developed ideas that were very striking and very different uh, from other civilizations and set part of humankind, set Western culture and Western history down a new path. What I'm talking about here is that Greeks raised questions and answers about the natural world and sought natural explanations, purely natural explanations, without any uh, influence from supernatural or uh, godly interference. Uh, Greek, great Greek thinkers asked naturalistic questions and tried to come up with guesses without any kind of magical explanation. Uh, Thales was a great uh, Greek uh, philosopher. Uh, he believed that everything was made or came about from water uh, and did not allow any kind of explanation in uh, from some supernatural creator. Uh, Unlike, by comparison, the Babylonian myth of the creation with participation of one of their gods known as Marduk. Uh, Greeks uh, flirt with agnosticism. Uh, They ask questions about the gods. They, they admit uh, confusions in their beliefs about their gods that they can't answer and that they acknowledge that they can't answer. Um, and so there's this kind of openness to doubt 
in in Greek culture and Greek leadership and writing uh, that we don't necessarily see very often, or at the least is not characteristic of the great thinkers in other civilizations, even though, of course, uh, many in other parts of the world will provide far advanced scientific and mathematical and engineering technology uh, that the Greeks will borrow from. But there is this openness to not not wanting or not needing a supernatural explanation for things. Also, a very unique will become, of course, the practice of democracy. And when democracy in some of the city-states of Greece uh, comes about, the law itself, the view of what the law is and what it's about and where law comes from, starts to change. Law becomes viewed as not handed down directly from the gods, but rather that the law should be obeyed because the law is the expressed will of the people in your community. The law comes from the people. And so that is a very, very different uh, characteristic of a civilization than anything we see anywhere else. The law comes from the emperor in other civilizations. The law comes from the gods or from God in other cultures. In Greece, uh, for the first time, when they have democratic societies rise up, at least partially democratic, we see this view of the law and the role of the people for the first time. So, that is a survey of all other ancient civilizations before the Greeks, or besides the Greeks. And the next thing we will need to discuss is how Greek culture, starting on the island of Crete with the Minoans, start humanity in this part of the world down a very different path. This is the European History Podcast. I hope you're enjoying If you like us, you can like us on Facebook, please, at the European History Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'll see you next time.